0: This is the Gospel City Church Podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Psalm 128, and it reads, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who who walks in His ways. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Amen. Amen. The good life, right? We've heard this expression. Ah, the good life. You know, what images come to your mind when you hear this? Is it you laying on the beach with your feet in the sand, a margarita in hand, listening to the waves endlessly come in on repeat? That's just one version of what we might think the good life is, or the story of the good life. Perhaps your version is a little different, and I want to ask you this, your, the, you this question this afternoon. What is your story? What is your version of the good life? Uh, theologian James Hamilton Jr. says this, the stories we tell reveal our understanding of the world with our hopes and fears. And the songs we sing are poetic crystallizations of the deep longings of our hearts. The deep longings of our hearts correspond to what we envision as the good life. So again, I wanna ask you, what do you envision as the good life? Perhaps it's a story of career success. That's the good life, right? Perhaps it's getting that passive income so you don't have to work anymore. That's the good life, right? Perhaps it's getting married, having kids, building up that retirement fund, retiring early, moving off to Florida. That's the good life, right? The story we tell of what the good life is reflects the longings of our heart. And if, our longings, if the longings of our heart are in the wrong place, our heart will always be unsatisfied and longing for more. Time on the beach, it'll be too short. Gotta come back to Reality. Career success, you think you've achieved it all, but your heart will be wanting more. Passive income might be enough now, but eventually, you're going to want more. So today, as we continue in our Psalms of Ascent series, we'll look at the good life for the Christian, what it really means to have the good life. And we'll work through the passage like this. We'll have the good life, the not-so-good life, and the truly great life. So first, let's go through what the good life looks like. The main theme of this psalm tells us that blessed is everyone that fears the Lord who walks in his ways. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord. And blessed, the Hebrew, if you look at this term, it can be defined simply as happy. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord. Happiness comes from walking with the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, to define this, is a reverent awe of God. It's a deep respect for the Almighty, the creator of all things. But it's not a fear where it's unapproachable, right? We are able to approach God, but it's this deep reverence for who he is and what he's done for us. And walking in his ways. Finally, we define walking in his ways as obeying what God has given us in his word. So the fear of God and walking in his ways is the good life. It's the happy life. And what I want to point out to you this afternoon first is that the fear of God and walking in his ways are inseparable. Charles Spurgeon says, It is idle to talk of fearing the Lord if we act like those who have no care whether there be a God or no. God's ways will be our ways if we have a sincere reverence for him. If the heart is joined unto God, the feet will follow hard after him. If your heart has been changed by the gospel, you will revere God and you will desire to obey. Those things are inseparable. And so the question for us that we should ask this afternoon, are we in reverence of God? And do we desire, not perfectly, do we desire to obey and follow him? Because this is the marker of the happy life, the truly blessed life. And then the rest of the song goes into description of the product of the happy life, right? It paints a picture for us. I want us to take a moment and just think about the holidays. Think about Thanksgiving. if you're Korean, think about chuseok. If you're neither, just think of a holiday where the family gathers and you have a, have a great dinner. I want to make sure we're all included, right? So going back to Thanksgiving, what comes to your mind? You have a full table. You got the turkey, ham, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes. You got everything. I know some of you are yelling at me in your minds. You forgot the cranberry sauce. I can't list everything, but you just imagine, right? You got that abundant table. You have your pumpkin pie, the other desserts. You got the nice wine, not the box wine, but that top shelf stuff. And so this picture of Thanksgiving is this abundance of food? An abundance. And what else comes with the food, right? It's the family. You got your mom, your dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, cousins, uncles gathered around together in joy in this festive holiday. It's an abundance of food and people. And that's the image that the Psalm paints for us today. Let's look down to verses one and two uh, once more. Now, read that for us. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. So, the first promise we see is uh, the results of walking with the Lord, walking in His ways, is enjoying the labor, enjoying uh, the blessing on your work, enjoying the fruits of your labor. For the Israelite, for the pilgrim at this time, rather than having your labor, most likely it was agricultural, right? And rather than having it being destroyed by pestilence, bad weather, invading enemies, you would enjoy the fruit of your harvest. There would be an abundance of it on your table. You would be able to provide for your family. And if you continue on with these promises, in verse 3, if you look down, it says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. And the second promise is it promises for a happy home, right? The Israelite's wife is likened to a fruitful vine. And the vine represents several things in Scripture. It represents, a, there's a sexual and reproductive aspect to it. There's an aspect of peace that the vine represents. And the vine also represents festivity and joy. And so the the, the psalm promises for the Israelite who walks in the ways of the Lord a godly wife that would be a blessing to him. And similarly, you know, for our woman here today, having a godly husband is also a blessing from the Lord. A godly husband or a wife makes for a happy home, as this psalm promises to those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways. And then we see the pilgrim's children they're likened to olive shoots. The olive tree in the Bible is a symbol of longevity and productivity, that the children will flourish and bring joy and honor to the family eventually. Maybe not right away because kids are hard, but eventually that these, you would invest and in these olives, olives would grow and you would reap the, uh, the fruit from it. And during this time, having many children was a sign of rich blessing. You know, the infant mortality rate back then was about 50% at that time. So the more children you had, it was meant that you were more abundant and you could have more blessing because the more children you also have, it would, it would help to your estate. More, more children to the contribute to help, the, help your estate grow in abundance. And this was a picture of the happy life for the Israelite during those times. Abundance from labor, blessing on work. And a happy spouse and a full home, a blessing on family. That's the picture of the good life that the psalm gives us today. And the good life is not just inward blessings, but it continues outward as well. If we continue in verses 5 and 6, The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Zion is a place where God's people would gather. It's where the pilgrim would come to join and worship God together with God's people. And the pilgrim's future was tied up in the prosperity and the longevity of Zion. And for us, that's the church. We find God's blessing in this community. So again, the good and happy life revolves around fulfillment in work, blessing in work, blessing in family, and blessing in community. You know, the psalm is teaching us that when we fear God and obey Him and walk in His ways, that is the secret to a truly happy life, blessing in work, family, community. That there's a direct relationship between your attitudes and your actions and God's blessings in your life. When we live our lives according to God's purposes and plan and order for this world, we reap blessings. But when we sin and we fail to do so, when we fail to live according to that purpose and order God had created, there is a negative impact on our lives. Now, please, please don't mis- mishear me. In Christ, we are free from the eternal consequences of sin. But as we live on this earth, we can feel the consequences, the effects that sin has on us if we choose to go in that way. So when we fear God and walk in his ways, there's happiness and fulfillment in our work relationships and community. When we're not, there isn't. Now we realize that uh, many of us here are not married yet. Some of us desire to get married, some of us don't. Many of us here don't have kids. Some of us want kids, maybe some of us don't. And many of us maybe don't have a job yet or are in an occupation that we really don't find fulfilling. And for, for me to preach this passage as a blanket statement that if you fear the Lord and you obey him, and then you'll be blessed with a godly spouse, with many kids, and success in your work, would be irresponsible. It would be a bit tone deaf as well. It wouldn't be considering your situation and what goes on in your life. And most importantly, it's not fully explaining what this passage is trying to teach us today. So we're going to go deeper into what God is trying to teach us through this psalm, and we look at this picture of the good life, and we got to look behind the scenes of what is actually going on. And while God does certainly bless us in these areas of work and family and community when we follow his ways, it's hard to make that generalization and blanket statement that if you do this, he will certainly bless you. So let's look deeper into the passage. And before we find the truly blessed life, we've got to look at the not-so-good life. The not-so-good life. As a pastor, um, can you guys guess the two most commonly brought up topics of conversation I have with people? Work and family. It is the two greatest areas of our lives, isn't it not? Just this week, I had multiple conversations about You know, toxic boss, bosses, you know, not being able to get along with people in the workplace. And uh, on the topic of family, well, I mean, I could ask each and every single one of you about your family, and we could go on for hours and just talk about the challenges and struggles and the difficulties. I mean, think about the psychiatrist, right? You go to a psychiatrist, you tell them your problems, you tell them what you're struggling with, and what do they tell you? So tell me about your family. You know, family and work has a huge impact. It plays a huge role in our lives. And uh, we're gonna, as we've been going through the Psalms of Ascent, I don't think it's just by chance that it's these two Psalms that address these two topics are right there in the middle of these 15 Psalms, 127 and 128. They're two major areas of the Christian life that God wants to address. So let's take a deeper look and 128, and look at what's beneath the picture of this good life that is given to us. Earlier, I, I, I asked you guys to think about the holidays, right? Thanksgiving or Chuzok, and we, we talked about that full, abundant table. Lots of family, good time of celebration and joy, the good life, right? Well, if you're like me, or actually, if you're human, you know there's another story to behind this beautiful picture, is there not? Right? As a holiday approaches, you're excited to see your family, but that at the same time, you brace yourself for what's ahead, right? The anxiety starts to set in because you know you've got aunts and uncles who are going to be badgering you with questions. When are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? When are you going to grow up and get a real job? You- <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I heard that a lot in, in the past. Um, uh, but then you also know you're, you're worried about the, the bickering and the nagging that might go on between, you know, your, you and your family. And at the end of it all, you head back to your life. And what should have been a relaxing vacation was an exhausting test of your patience. But they're family. You love them, right? They're family. 128 shows us this big, beautiful picture of the happy life. But behind the scenes, we know that there's not such a beautiful life. There's difficulties and tensions in our relationships. Spouses, it takes work to build a happy marriage, a healthy marriage. Children, I mean, there's certainly a challenge in our lives. And as children, it it can be difficult to honor and love our parents at times. But that's just the tip of the iceberg for the not-so-good life. Families can be a great source of pain. There are some of us who desire to get married, but haven't been able to. There are couples that that want to have kids, but cannot. There's families that are estranged, miscarriages, stillbirths, parents who outlive their children, parents who pass far too young, family members who don't know Christ, families with disabilities, families that have been hurt and broken by divorce, addictions, infidelity, families with verbal and physical abuse. Behind this picture that's painted to us in Psalm, we all know and experience in one form or another there is a not-so-good life when it comes to our relationships. There's a side of life that has been broken and tainted by the consequence of living in a world filled with sin. But it's not just our family, it's, it's in our work as well. There are those who are of us who work hard and strive for success and to really be excellent in our areas, but we just don't see the fruit of it. There are other of us, others of us who really struggle and strive to be a witness in the workplace and live out what it means to be a Christian, only to have co-workers and bosses walk all over you, to be treated unfairly and not recognized for the hard work you do. To see others who live dishonest lives, cut corners and are dishonest, but somehow they climb that that ladder. There's also a lot of pain in our work as we toil. So the question we have to grapple with here today is, there are people who do not fear the Lord and do not walk in His ways, but they seem to flourish in family and work. And there are others who do fear the Lord, who do walk in His ways, but they don't seem to flourish in their family and work. And we should also ask the question, did every Israelite family who sang this song experience the blessings that were listed out for us in these short few verses? Did they all see an abundance of their labor? Did they all have that happy spouse and a full home with all their children? Most likely not. They, just like us, suffered through the difficulties and troubles of work and family. And the reality of of our life is there is much brokenness. There is much brokenness in these two areas. So how do we make sense of this psalm? If this psalm is not an absolute guarantee of blessing for work, spouse, and kids, um, how do we make sense of it? To understand what the psalm is showing us, we need to go back to the garden. First, uh, before in the beginning, when sin came into the world, uh, and corrupted everything, God had a design for man. In Genesis 2.15, it says that God took Adam and put him in the Eden, and uh, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And so Adam had dominion over all the birds, the fish of the sea, the livestock, and all creeping things. And Adam worked and cultivated the plants and the trees that God had provided. And he lived off of it, and he flourished in abundance. Genesis also tells us that God made Eve for Adam and that they had become one flesh. When Adam first met Eve, he said this in Genesis 2:23. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. These were his first words to Eve. Men, piece of advice, don't use that line on your first date. I don't think it'll work. But the picture here shows us that Eve and Adam, they were perfect for each other. They were perfect for each other. They were one flesh. Scripture tells us that they were naked and unashamed. It's perfect relationship. Perfect abundance in his work as he was put in the garden. But we know then Adam and Eve sinned and a curse came upon the world. Genesis thirteen, sixteen says To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children, your desires shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Sin brought strife and heartache into the family. And continues in verse 17, And to Adam God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Work was cursed because of sin, and the family was cursed because of sin. But as time progressed, God had a plan to redeem and restore these things for the world. He made a covenant with his people. He made a promise to them that he would be their God and that they would be their people. And he promised them to bless their work and to bless their family. And he promised peace for his people. He promised all of this would be theirs if the people would keep their ways. And we see these promises in Deuteronomy 28. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle. The increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Man sinned, was separated from God, was cursed in his work, cursed in his relationship. But then God in his plan of restoration brings in this covenant and says he will restore it. But the problem is Israel failed over and over to fulfill their end of the covenant. They couldn't keep these promises to God on their own. They lived the not-so-great life under the curse of sin because of their failure to do so. But the good news for us is that we had someone come and fulfill this covenant. We had someone who fulfilled the, our end of this covenant. He completely obeyed God and followed in his ways to reap the blessings of this covenant for us. Ephesians tells us that we have received every spiritual blessing because of what Christ has done. The spiritual blessing of being forgiven, of being accepted and known by God, of being the spiritual blessing of eternity with him in heaven. And he also won for us the blessings of family work. But maybe not in the sense that we see it in the picture that's given us today. It's not necessarily in the picture of having a happy home, happy wife, abundance in our work. But he has restored it, our work, so that when we are working, we can glorify him through it. that we can contribute to this earth. And he restores our family and blesses it by having us show and display the love of Christ to one another. And for some of us, when we don't have that family, he's given us a church. He's given us a community, a place where we can experience that love that perhaps we might not have received at home. In these ways, we experience the blessing of God upon our work and family. It's not necessarily through this picture, this picture-perfect home that's painted to us in Psalm 128, but it's through what Christ had done for us on that cross. And finally, we're going to look at what the truly great life really is, the truly great life. Let's continue to consider what Jesus did when he came for us. Jesus was, in in a sense, in that perfect home in heaven with God the Father, was he not? He leaves his home, and he comes down to this earth and takes on flesh. And as he walked this earth, consider this. He didn't take up a family, and he didn't take up a home. He had no wife, he had no kids, and scripture tells us that he had no place to lay his head. And so for some of us today who might be struggling with not having these things, these, mentions, these blessings mentioned in 128, consider that you have Jesus, your high priest, who can sympathize with you. Family and home is still in a certain degree a measure of a person's worth nowadays, right? We, we have this standard that we hold against each other. It was even more so back then when Jesus walked this earth. To be a respected elder, a rabbi in the community, meant that you had a flourishing home and a family. But Jesus chose to forego having that home. He'd forego having that family because it wasn't a priority for him. Obeying God and doing his will, walking in his ways, that was his greatest priority. And he did so to redeem us back to God. And although he was without sin, he became a curse on that tree to pay for our sins, so that now that when we believe in him, we've received every spiritual blessing that I mentioned. This is all ours because of Jesus. These are the markers of the truly great life, to be forgiven, to be known, to be walking with him to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, to have that heavenly inheritance waiting for you in eternity. It's in these blessings that Christ has secured for us that we are now able to actually fear God and walk in his ways. And when we do this, when we do this, we enjoy fellowship with Christ. We enjoy fellowship with Christ. That is the truly happy life. And from that, then the earthly blessings will flow. But these blessings are not primary to our happiness. It's that fellowship with God that is. You know, the good life is is not just sitting on the beach, drinking a margarita, listening to the waves. It's not the happy wife, the lots of kids, success at work. These are certainly blessings that God gives to his people for us to enjoy. But the truly happy Christian life doesn't necessarily entail these things. And we see this in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, um, 32, it shows us kind of the different Christian lives uh, these heroes of faith had. And it says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, earthly blessings. Enforce justice, earthly blessing. Obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. All earthly blessings for the people of God who walked in faith. But on the other side of the coin, sometimes as we journey through this world, there's a different picture. As we continue in Hebrews, it says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains of, and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves on the earth. Walking in faith doesn't necessarily grant us all the earthly blessings, but for certain, these men of faith who suffered under these afflictions, they were guaranteed the greatest blessing of eternal paradise with God. They were granted the blessing of walking with God through this life. You know, the key to a great life is not blessings, in the earthly blessings in which God gives us, but it's fellowship and walking with Christ. You know, these days you ask people uh, why they get married, and, and you'll get all sorts of answers. You know, people will say they want to get married for a sense of security. They want to get married so they can start a family. They get married so they have financial benefits, tax breaks, breaks, maybe medical insurance. Some want to get married just so they can have that apartment and the appliances and, and just to have that ideal home. You know, if I went up to my wife while we were dating and said, I want to marry you, and I listed off all these reasons why I wanted to marry you, right? For sense of security, so we can start a family, financial benefits, I wouldn't be standing up here with a ring on my finger right now, right? But sometimes this is what we do with God. We want his gifts more than we want him. We think our happiness is in the blessings that he gives us on this earth rather than blessing of himself. And so for the Christian life, the truly great life, we experience blessing when we walk with him and when we have fellowship with him. Let's pray. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening, and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.